Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. The last few weeks we've been uh, talking about, uh, looking at scriptures from 2 Kings, and we've been talking about the idea that if you believe in God, you truly believe in God, it'll affect you certainly like you'll do uh, certain things. You'll respond in certain ways. Now, I've been telling you a story almost every Sunday. I'm not going to tell you a story today. Sorry to disappoint you. No story. I just want to show you this passage of Scripture and, uh, and what led to it and what leads to it in our lives, okay? So in this passage, sometimes when you're reading Scripture, or I should, let me start this way. Every time you're reading Scripture, you really want to look at it and go, what, what was being said to the people who originally were told this? And then we want to say, and how does this apply to me? Like, what's the eternal principle here that applies to me and over all the ages? And sometimes that's hard to see. Sometimes it's a little more difficult. Sometimes it's hard enough to see you'll come to people like me and you go, Brother Jim, what, what is this? But some passages are really easy to understand. Like, you know exactly what they're saying. And this is one of those, all right? So I want to read it to you. I want to see how, if it's as obvious to you as it is to me. So this is 2 Kings chapter 17, beginning in thir- verse 35. I've got the scripture on, th- on the screen, uh, if you'd rather read it there than in your own Bible. It says, For the Lord had made a covenant with the descendants of Jacob and commanded them, Do not worship any other gods, or bow before them, or serve them, or offer sacrifices to them. But worship only the Lord, who brought you out of Egypt with great strength and a powerful arm. Bow down to Him alone and offer sacrifices only to Him. Be careful at all times to obey the decrees, regulations, instructions, and commands that He wrote for you. You must not worship other gods. Do not forget the covenant I made with you. And do not worship other gods. You must worship only the Lord your God. He is the one who will rescue you from all your enemies. So it's pretty clear, isn't it? Like over and over he's going, don't worship other gods. Worship only the Lord your God. Now, when I I read this, I'm thinking like, why is he doing that? Like, why is he emphasizing it so much? It reminds me of like when, uh, you know, a kid comes home and they say to their mom and dad, like, you know, this thing went down and the teacher got mad at me and got all over me and was, you know, fussing at me and I was doing anything, right? And parents usually in that case look at their kid and go, mm, what were you doing? <laughs> what were you doing? Like, what was going on to cause that? So when I read this passage, that's my reaction. If God is saying to this group of people, I've told you, don't worship other gods. Worship only me. Don't worship other gods. What I'm trying to say to you is don't worship other gods. Like, so what was going on? So when I back up in chapter 17 and I start reading, here's some of the stuff I see. I see that there were cultures all around them, and they were looking at those people and starting to do some of their things, like adopting those cultures into theirs. Uh, It says in verse 8, they followed the practices of 
the pagan nations that were before them, people who weren't following God. In verse 15, it says they followed the example of nations around them. Like they're, they're just copying, like this seems to be the popular culture around, they're doing that. It says in verse 9 that they started making their own gods. In verse 32, it says they started making their own priest. Like we'll just have our own thing and we'll just choose whoever we want to. Verse 12, it says they wouldn't listen. So straight up, they, yes, they worshiped idols despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. They just wouldn't listen. Verse 14 says they wouldn't listen. Verse 15 says they rejected what he was saying. Verse 22 says they persisted in doing that. So what I'm hearing is here's a group of people and they're choosing other things over God. They won't listen to him. And so he winds up at the end of this going like, I'm trying to tell you once again. Don't do this. But in the middle of that, there's a verse that bothers me a lot. In verse 18, it says, Because the Lord was very angry with Israel, he swept them away from his presence. He basically said, get out. Now, if you were my age and you grew up the way I grew up, there's a certain point in the day, in the summertime, where your parents, your mom, would look at you and say, go outside. Get out of the house. Go outside. You weren't allowed to come back in. If you got thirsty, what did you do? You drank out of the water hose. That's right. And if you were smart, you turned the water hose on for a minute before you drank out of it, or you would burn your lips off, right? And so you got out of the house. Now, I'm going to tell you younger folks that maybe this doesn't sound like something that happens these days. Don't let your parents or grandparents fool you. It wasn't because their moms and dads were so concerned with their well-being that they sent them outside. It was because she was sick of them being in the house. Get out, right? Now, I'm saying that, and that's kind of silly, but I... I, I don't want to be in a position in my life where God says, Jim, get away from me. Because that's what it says. Remove me from your presence. Like, instead of my covering being over you, the Bible uses language like, like that, the covering being over you. So this week during Bible school, my role in Bible school is to help with drop-off and pick-up. So if you were here during Bible school and you were dropping off, you would see me in the parking lot. All right? Well, the parking lot, you know, when you're standing in the asphalt parking lot and it's 90 degrees, it's pretty hot. So as much as you can, you would want to go, I would want to go stand under the shade of like the, the cover pickup right there, or the tree up at the top of the hill, because it's way cooler on, on the covering. So... Imagine if you're under the covering and somebody's pushing you out. Well, when God talks about his covering, he's really not just talking about his shade. He, he talks about that in the Psalms and stuff, being in my shade. But he also means in my protection, like you're under me and I'm over you. I'm your Lord, you're submissive to me, and because of that, you have my protection, my covering. All right. So what he's saying is, I, I will push you out of that. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be out of that. I want, I want to be under his covering. And so, when I read this passage, what jumps out at me is like, well, this thing sounds like, if you 
worship other gods, if you have other idols, you get pushed out. I don't want to do that, so how can I avoid it? So my first problem with that is, idolatry seems like such a foreign thing to me. I think, well, I don't know that I would have a problem with that. Because it seems like something that I've seen cultures that build little shrines. Have you ever seen something like that? Build little shrines and stuff? We don't do that. Americans don't do that. Okay? It's not a part of our culture. I don't think I could go to any of your homes and you'd have some little shrines built up in your yard or in your home somewhere or something like that. So we tend to think, I don't have idols. I don't have a problem with idolatry. This number one rule. So I've got to really think about, well, what is an idol? What is that? All right? So uh, there's a preacher I really like. He's, uh, he's in his 70s. He's in uh, Dallas, Texas. His name is Tony Evans, and he has like a radio program. So some of you may have heard of Tony Evans. And he has a definition for what an idol is, and I like his definition. So I'm going to steal from him this morning, okay? And he says an idol is any unauthorized person, place, thing, or thought. Okay, any person, place, thing, or thought which you look to in order to determine your decisions. All right? So, in other words, there's something, and it's not God, and it's not God's Word, and it's a someone or a something or a somewhere. It's a person, place, or thing, or a thought. And that is what is helping you more than God and His Word to make your final decision. So in other words, that thing has become higher than God in your life. And it's easy for that to happen if you think about it that way, what an idol is. I mean, because there's a lot of times the final call on my decision, it's about a family thing. The final call, it has to do with my job. The final call has to do with with money and what the financial situation is. The final call has to do with how this is going to make me, my image and how I'm going to be portrayed to other people. Like, there's a lot of things that influence me. And so, what happens when that final call usurps the authority of God? So, in other words, what, what if God has made a ruling on a subject in your life? And now there's this thing that can overrule that, can override what God has said. That is an idol. I'll give you a practical example. Several years ago, there was this teenage girl, and she was the daughter of someone who worked here. So she came by the office to visit her mom. And uh, this is years ago. This is like 15 years ago. And uh, she comes in, and she's got a big ring on her finger, big senior ring of, of a boy, you know, on her finger. So I know she's got a boyfriend, right? And so I asked her. I said, oh, you got a boyfriend. Uh, and I said, tell me about him. And then I specifically said, because I knew this family, good Christian family, goes to church, all that, all that, you know. I said, tell me about him. Tell me about this boy and how much he loves the Lord and how he's following the Lord in his life. Tell me that. She was thrown off by that question big time like you know you expect me to ask like what's his name what does he do what is he i didn't ask any of that i just asked about his relationship with christ and she just jaw dropped eyes got big and she just stared at me didn't say a word and i said what's wrong do you not 
know him like he's your boyfriend, right? Like, what's, what's going on here? And she just stares at me. And mom, mom steps back behind her and smiles. Mom is digging this line of questioning. So I didn't know what was going on. Apparently, she didn't want her dating this boy. You know, I didn't know that at all. So I'm just going like, by not answering me, you're telling me like, so he's not, like he's not a Christian, he's not a follower of Christ, he's not whatever, and she's just still staring at me. And then I said, he must be really good looking or really rich. I said, which one is it that has caused you to throw away what you know you should be doing or what the truth should be? I said, is he good looking, rich, or both? Now, after this, I want you to know, she told her mama, I never want to see him again. The pro- she wasn't talking about her boyfriend. She was talking about me. <laughs> it's true. She would call the office, and her mom would answer the phone, and she would say, is he there? <laughs> never want to say. Good news, she later on married a great guy. And, and got a great family and all, all, all that stuff. So, so in other words, there are things, though. You understand, that's a practical thing. There are things that we encounter in our life. There are people, that was a person, or it can be a place or a thing or a thought, and for some reason, it slides up above God. It causes us to make a decision that is not what God is leading us to do. That is an idol. Got me? So now, my problem is, I have to ask myself, is there a thing in my life, or a person in my life, or a thought in my life, is there something in my life that, that, that pushes the envelope of moving above God, that pushes the envelope of becoming an idol in my life? We need to ask that question. I need to know is there something in my life that when God says don't worship other gods, you know, I'm not worshiping, worshiping some other God that has some kind of, you know, name of something, you know. But it's this thing in my life or this person in my life. And they could be a really great, it could be a great thing. I mean, it could be a person in my life that's important in my life, right? They're important and they're good, but they're a lousy God. It's a great spouse, but a lousy God. A child, really love them. They make a lousy God. A child is a really terrible God for you in your life. Money, money and financial things, it's a lousy God. It'll lead you down all kinds of wrong paths if that's your God, if it's making the decisions. Y'all with me? So let me offer you some questions. I've got eight questions to help you decide is this thing or this person or this place or this thought an idol for me? Question number one is easy. Is it forbidden by God? Is it forbidden by God? Has God already said this is no? No, thou shalt not, okay? If I'm letting something overrule what God has said, it's an idol, okay? Question one is easy. Question two. This might help if you're unsure. Do I hide it from God? Or, or those who represent him? 
So a, a good thought, maybe a question would be, if you really don't want me or Daryl or someone like us to know, you might have a problem on your hand. Okay? If you don't want God or someone representing God to know and you want to hide it, in, in our passage in verse 9, it says the Israelites, the people of Israel, were secretly doing things. Right? Think about the Garden of Eden. What's the first thing that Adam and Eve did? They, would, they let something usurp God's authority. God said, don't eat of this fruit, of this tree, this one tree. And then Satan goes, ah, come on, you know, here it is. And then they ate it, and then they what? They hid, right? So if you're hiding, if you're hiding, don't, don't kid yourself and it's going like, well, they just won't understand, or I don't want to cause a problem. No, no, no. If you're hiding, it's very likely that that thing has risen above God, and it's an idol. Question three. All of these things in your life, I would say good things in life are gifts from God, okay? They're gifts from God. But we have a problem when the gift becomes more desirable to me than the giver. The gift is more important than the giver. So God gives us great gifts, whatever it might be. I mean, being at the beach is a gift. Having a wonderful person in your life is a gift, okay? These are gifts. But when those gifts become more important than the one giving them, that's an idol. You say, well, I don't, that's hard to measure, so let's keep going. Number three, or number four. Does this person, place, or thing draw me away from, from commitments and vows that I've made? So an easy one to see is that, like, I've made a vow, like a marriage vow, okay? Let's say you've made a commitment to a marriage and this person place or thing is pulling you away from a vow that you've made then that's a problem that's not a good thing y'all with me so anything so i've made vows to god like i've made vows to god i'm a christian i've said you're lord of my life i'm following you so anything that pulls me away from vows and commitments that i've made that's an idol five now, this is a tough question. I want you to really think about this, because this one's hard. Would the loss of this person, place, or thing cause me, cause me to ruin my trust in the goodness of God? Would the loss of this cause me to it to ruin my trust for the goodness of God or in the goodness of God now that's tough because think there's some big losses what if I lost my spouse what if I lost a child of mine what if I lost my job what if I lost whatever it might be now some some losses are so big that they would really hurt and they would they would challenge our faith would it challenge my faith so much that I would, it would ruin my trust in the goodness of God? Oh, I've lost this. This has been taken away from me. So my conclusion is God is no longer good. Now that's tough. I'm really challenging you because if that's true, then that thing 
is more powerful in your life than God. It's almost like I would say, I would rather lose God than lose this. That's an idol. And that's tough. Because you, you really love your children. Now, not when you just kicked them outside. I understand that. But like most of the time, you really love your children, right? And there are other things and places and stuff that you really love in your life. What if it's taken away from you? Number six, this is tough too. What if this person, place, or thing, I get so wrapped up in that that it makes me oblivious to the needs of others? So I get so focused in this, I lose my objectivity and I'm oblivious to the needs of others because I just want to be in this place or I just want to be with this person. Number seven. Is my desire out of proportion to the value of what is being desired? I'm not trying to be too philosophical here, but... So God is great, right? God is great. And when I desire God, I'm desiring the greatest thing I can desire. But we have a tendency to greatly desire things that are not of great value. I'll use a personal example, okay? I love sports, and I love watching games and stuff like that. Like, it'll become a priority to me to watch a game, right? So, the problem is then, what happens when my desire gets so high, and the thing I'm desiring is not, a, it's not that important? I have to be really careful, because that's a sign of idolatry. When my desire, when the gap between what I'm desiring and my level of desire is too great. And I see that a lot in things like fandom or with hobbies and activities and things that just bring us joy. Those things that bring us joy are awesome. They're awesome. But they shouldn't be godlike. Okay? Eight. And the final one. And these work in combination. So... Really, these, the people and these places and these things in my life should be things that are always accompanied with gratitude. Always. But it's easy for things like that to shift away from gratitude and towards entitlement. Now, it's really easy to see if you think about an immature child. They struggle with this. They're very immature. So they, they very much often see something as not something that I'm thankful for, but something that I deserve. I should have this, right? And how dare you, mom or dad or somebody, take it away from me or deny me what I want. My pleasure, right? Y'all with me? All right. So it's very easy to happen in relationships. Like in a relationship, it's very easy to shift away from being thankful and grateful to thinking they owe me, right? They owe me. That's very easy to happen with your job, to shift away from I'm grateful to they owe me, right? And, and as soon as we shift towards entitlement, we're, our mindset is totally different than gratitude. So I look. 
I want you to go to the beach and have a good time. I want you to have this and that and all those kind of things. But all of those things should be accompanied by gratitude. And the gratitude should be directed towards Him, right? I'm thankful to God. But as soon as we shift from thankful to God to feeling like God owes me, what are you doing, God? Why are you? Then it's very likely that what we're dealing with is an idol. So I hope you see by these questions that we have some issues in our life. We have some tough things. We have, we have people and places and things that can rise up above and cause us to make decisions or actually even sometimes overrule what God says in our lives. Now those are person, places, or things. There are also what I call root idols. Now I've taught about this before, but it's been quite a while that we talked about root idols. And let's just leave it on this screen because that other graph, it's a little bit too hard to read. So let's just leave it over this and let me talk to you about root idols. What I mean by a root idol is there are certain things that motivate us and that push us. <coughs> and this is in the thought realm. So when I think about person, place, or thing, that's mainly what we've been talking about. A person, place, or thing. It's a little easier to understand. But I mentioned person, place, thing, or thought. So there are thoughts that are motivations that can lead us astray. And we have to battle them over and over and over again. This is why Jesus says things like, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross every day. Now, I'm going to tell you four root idols. There are all kinds of idolatry in our life that can happen. A relationship can become an idol. Work can be an idol. Materialism can be an idol. Our image can be an idol. Even helping other people can be an idol. Victimhood can be an idol. Your independence can be an idol. Even religion itself can become an idol. There are all kinds of things. But I want to share with you four that are kind of motivational. And I'm just going to tell you, like, I have some of all four of these things. Me, personally. All four of these things appeal to me. And I think they'll appeal to you too. But it's likely that there's one of these that really drives you, that you really struggle with the most. So here's what the four are. They are power, control, comfort, and approval. Now don't worry, I said those too fast. I'm going to go through each one of them, okay? Power. What I mean by power is you want to succeed, you want to win, you want to have input. You want your input to be heard. You want your voice to be heard. And, and so you want to have a say-so. I can relate to all those things. I, I want to win, you know. I, I want to do well. I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? Let me tell you a secret. My future son-in-law likes to play disc golf. You all know what I'm talking about? He likes to play disc golf, okay? Shh. Can y'all keep a secret? I've been going out in my front yard and throwing a disc almost every other day. I am practicing. Does everybody understand why I'm practicing? Amen. Of course you do. All right? All right. You know, and you got to understand, I don't want to just enjoy disc golf. I don't want to just go out and play with him. What do I want to do? Of course I want to beat him. Now, here's the good thing. If I don't beat him, it's okay. I'll pretend like I haven't even been trying. <laughs> All right? 
I want to win. I understand this. But sometimes it can get to the point where we want this so much that it's so important to us to have influence that our greatest nightmare is to be embarrassed, to be humiliated. And sometimes we make the people around us feel used. And our problem emotion is probably anger. Now, a second thing is approval. Approval. We want affirmation. We want love. We want people to think well of us, right? Relationships are very important to us. And our greatest nightmare is rejection. We don't want anybody to push us away or think poorly of us. You might be some of the nicest, most wonderful people around because you're always seeking for other people to think well of you. I mean, there's some of you are in this room, you don't care as much, okay? But some of you really care, and so people think really highly of you, and you want that. And because of that, the problem sometimes you might make some people around you feel smothered. You're doing too much. And your problem emotion is cowardice. You will not stand up for some things you should stand up for because that might cause problem with other people. All right, a third one I mentioned was comfort. Who wouldn't want comfort? Peace, freedom, privacy. You just want to be able to do what you want to do. I like comfort. I like to be where I want to be, how I want to be, all those kind of things. So your greatest nightmare is stress and demands and being pushed. And people around you often feel neglected. And your problem emotion is boredom. And the last one is control. And relate to this one. You have a plan, and you want your plan to be followed. And you have certain standards and certain ways you want things done. And you're, so your greatest fear is uncertainty and things not going well and not going the way you want. And you may not realize this, but people around you often feel condemned. And your problem emotion is worry. Now, I've talked to you about idols and all kinds of things and people and places can be your idols. And now I've talked to you about some root idols that are your thoughts and your motivations, which I would declare there's one of those that you really struggle with, okay? So really what we get to now is how do I get rid of idols? I mean, I don't want to be swept away. I don't want to be outside the covering of God because I'm allowing this other person or these things or these places or these thoughts or my root idols to make decisions over God. I don't want that, so how do I avoid it? And I can't look in the mirror and just go like, I'll just do it with my energy and my toughness and my discipline. That won't work. I need God. So what we have to do is repent. We have to do it every day. Repent of when these things are rising up above God. Really what I want for you this morning is really some self-examination of what are those things in my life that I need to repent of today. And if power is my root idol, I need to realize that His power is greater than mine and more important than mine. And I need to submit to His greater power. 
if it's control, I need to surrender to His ultimate control. If it's comfort, I need to surrender to the fact that He, he is the greater comfort. Being and resting in Him. If it's approval, I need to rejoice in His gracious approval. Because His power is greater, His control is perfect, His comfort is satisfying, and His approval is eternal. There is no God like our God. And so our God says, don't worship other gods, worship me. And He repeats it and repeats it and repeats it. Don't get caught up in what other people are doing. Look at your own heart. Let's look at our own lives. And let's see what is competing with God in my life. What are the things that rise up to that level? And can I repent of those things and let God stay elevated? Every day, deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Him. Because in Him... In Him, that thing I'm missing, control or power or approval, and those other things, they're lousy gods. He is a good God, and I want to worship Him and let Him be number one in my life and Him be the final decision maker in my life. That's my prayer for you today. So would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and we're going to close with a song. But I want to lead us in a prayer as we think about the idols in our life. Dear Lord, as I sit and think about myself, I think about those things in my life that compete with you. I think about my fears that can sometimes override my faith. I think about my desires that can override my decisions. I think about those things that you call idols in my life. And Lord, today, as I look at them specifically, I, I repent. I want to follow you. And I say that with the recognition that I'm going to have to do that again tomorrow morning and again Tuesday morning. But Lord, I don't want to be outside your covering. I, I don't want you to say, Lord, hey, if those are your gods, let them be what covers you. No, Lord, I, I want your covering in my life. You are my Lord. You are my God. Not those things. And if they cost me, and some difficult decisions, I'm willing to make those decisions because I trust in you over them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.